0: When, um, several years ago, I I had the blessing of playing on a flag football team with several other Ethos staff members. And uh, it was pretty fun, you know, we had a lot of fun getting out and acting like we were still 18 and we weren't. And it showed evident one night, I'll never forget, we played like on a Thursday night. And then we showed up the next Sunday morning and it was like, one guy was in a knee brace, I think Brooks was, I think Dave had a splint on his finger, I had my arm in a sling, like all of us. We just like got beat up on the football field that night, and I'll never forget. I was so embarrassed because my injury—I, I, I had a slight tear in my, my labrum in my shoulder, and uh, and I did it. I mean, it was really awesome. I was just literally just running. I didn't have the football. <laughs> I wasn't trying to tackle somebody. I was literally just running down the field and just like fell and landed on my shoulder. And it hurt so bad. And, uh, and I thought maybe it was this minor thing. And I remember talking to Sydney, Clayton, Day's wife, and she's a physical therapist. She's like, yeah, I think you, I think you messed up your labrum. So I, I ended up having to go to physical therapy and if you've ever been at physical therapy, you know what that process is like. You go in and there's something that really hurts and they want you to move it a lot and it hurts even more. And you're like, thanks a lot. But you know, they, they work on it and they massage it. They do all the things. And, and eventually after a few weeks, it starts to feel better. And then they start to give you these exercises. You know, when I think of exercise, I think of something that I can like really see my muscles getting bigger as I do them, as you can tell by my manly physique. Like you can just tell, I, I love to hit the weights. But you know, when, 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 you're, when you're doing an exercise, you want to feel like, something's happening but Bef- PT exercises aren't like that. It's like, here I want you to take this rubber band and just do this. <laughs> like just this is your spot. This is all you can do. This is how jacked up your shoulder is, you know? And so but here's the thing, I, you know, you go for several weeks and I do this and the physical therapist is there and what do you know? After like a month, month and a half, my shoulder's feeling better. It starts feeling stronger. And then comes that fateful moment if you've ever done physical therapy, you get to the end of it and they say, "Hey, you're ready to be on your own now." And they say, "But you got to keep these exercises up. Keep doing them. Because if you don't, what happens? Y'all know where this is going. The pain, well, what? the pain will come back, right? And so inevitably, this is exactly what happened to me. I got out of physical therapy, I didn't do, and I wanted to do the exercises that felt like they were doing something, and inevitably the pain ended up coming back. What was needed in my life were those little things that didn't seem to be doing anything but under the surface were accomplishing more than I can understand because of their consistency and their regularity. You know, Awaken in so many ways is like this communal-wide physical therapy month for our entire church, but it's more like spiritual therapy. Where we find ourselves engaging in these daily little things that don't really seem to accomplish much, but under the surface in our hearts, they are doing more than we can begin to understand. You know, during the month of Awaken, we find ourselves suddenly our church lays out for us our, oh man, there's a daily prayer call every day I'm gonna be in community on a Zoom call praying with other people. Oh man, there is a communal prayer, like I mean, scripture plan. Every day I know when I get up, I know what to turn to in my Bible. I know exactly what to read and it just makes it that much easier. You know, every week there's been like a touch point, prayer stations at the office, night watch, a prayer vigil. You know, every week gathering in the cannery and worshiping and praying with one another. There's just like all these things that are laid out. It's like that physical therapist going, hey, here's your spot, just keep doing this. And we all keep hitting the reps on that thing and we get to the end of a awaken and it's not surprising we go man something is different something is shifted because we've given ourselves to the little things that make a difference under the surface that make huge differences that we can't even begin to understand but as we come out of awaken we've got to ask the question just like the physical therapist said Aaron you've got to keep doing the reps what happens if we stop the reps And this morning, you know, some of you have have experienced things this this month. God has begun something in your heart. You're like, man, something's different. He started something in you. He started to shift some things, some priorities, some values, some understanding. He started to shift some affections of your heart, some desires of your heart. He has begun a good thing in you. And here's the promise, here's the promise that we have in scripture. Philippians 1-6, we'll put this on the screen. Philippians 1-6 makes it very simple. Paul says, listen, he says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't that an incredible promise? As you come to the end of Awaken, our Father's going, hey, I, I promise you, I will carry that thing on to completion, I've got it. All the way up until the moment where you fix your eyes on Jesus and you see him descending from the sky, he's like, I, I'm gonna carry this thing to completion. He doesn't start things in us and then leave them laying flat. But that thing that he started, whether we like it or not, we we had a part in that. There was a a part that we played. He was ready to do it, but we had to step into it, right? His Holy Spirit is like the wind that is blowing and we're like the ship that's on the sea. And if we don't put the sail up, the wind cannot capture the sail and move the boat where it needs to go. And over Awaken, we've all taken these little steps to put the sail up. It's the reps that we've been doing and the Holy Spirit captures our heart and the Lord says, hey, I want to carry that thing to completion in you. Keep putting the sail up. Keep putting the sail up. And so last week, Dave got up here and he talked about, hey, how do we awaken our hearts to hear the voice of God? And he talked about the importance of solitude, the importance of getting alone with God. It's one of the reasons why Awaken does so much in our hearts is because we have built in rhythms of getting alone with God. And this week, I just want to look at how do we keep doing that practically? What does that look like? I'm gonna root it in scripture, and then I'm gonna come back and start in probably the most uninspiring place you could imagine to tell you how you start taking some next steps to keep doing the reps, to do the little things under the surface that make a big difference. Okay, so John 15, John 15, verse five. I love this verse. If you wanna have an understanding of Jesus's heart for his people, if you wanna understand Jesus's heart for his followers in, in the days that we live in, in this age, spend some time in John 14 through 17. And just read those chapters through and through. You will get a glimpse of Jesus' heart for his followers. They're beautiful. It's his last conversation with his closest friends before he'll go to the cross. And in John chapter 15, verse five, we find this beautiful little gem of a verse where Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit but apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Short little verse, but so packed, full of just potent meaning. Let's look at three aspects of this verse. I mean, there's the obvious, I guess there's four. I just realized I'm, I'm not very good at counting. You know, the first one is this, that Jesus says, hey, I'm the vine, you're the branch. In other words, he's saying, I'm the source. I'm the source. This is the metaphor he gives us. But there's three things from the metaphor. How's that? There's three things from the metaphor. The first one is this. He says, listen, you have to remain in me. Remain in me. Remain. Now I actually, I don't love the word remain. That's how the NIV translate that word. A lot of you may have different translations of the Bible. I think remain sounds too static. It just sounds like this, like, all right, remain right here. It's like telling somebody to just stay in that spot and never move. But no, I think a a better translation of the word that Jesus uses there is the word abide. Abide in me. Live in me. Dwell in me. Like, stay right. Like, abide all that you do. Like, make sure you're doing it abiding in me. Stay connected to me. This is the invitation. Jesus is going, if you're gonna do the reps, if you wanna keep seeing the breakthrough, if you wanna keep seeing this thing that started and you carried to completion, make sure you abide right here, close to me, with me, in everything you do, everywhere you go. Abide in me. The second thing connected to the metaphor, he says this, abide in me, number two, and you will bear much fruit. In other words, he says, abide in me and your life will be fruitful. I wonder how many of us, how many of us want our lives to be described as fruitful? How many of you would want people to look at your life and go, wow, what a fruitful life? I tell you what, I don't want people to look at my life and go, man, what a withered up life. (laughs) that's That's not how I want my life to be remembered. No, I want my life to be someone who looked at it and go, what a life full of good fruit. Now you may go, well, what kind of fruit are you talking about? I mean, there's so many places you can take. This is why Jesus is a genius. He speaks in these metaphors and there's just layers of meaning underneath it. But some simple takeaways. I mean, one, he says, hey, do you want spiritual fruit in your life? In other words, what the, what, what the, what the Bible tells us, what the word of God tells us is that these fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Do you want your life to be marked by these things? Do you want a life that is full of good fruit like that? Jesus says, abide in me, abide in me, remain in me, stay with me, dwell in me. You'll bear fruit. But it's not just like the spiritual fruit. I believe it's also, for lack of a better word, maybe I would call gospel fruit. You know, the, re- the reality is, is that when you live abiding in Jesus and you're just starting to bear that spiritual fruit, other people around you see it. They notice it. It looks different. It feels different. They're treated different. They notice something different in your life. And when others see the fruit of the Lord, the fruit of the spirit in your life, they will come to see Jesus in your life. As you know, that people who are far from Christ can come to know Christ by watching your life. Like that's that's the invitation. Jesus is like, hey, abide in me. You'll bear spiritual fruit and you'll bear gospel fruit because other people will come to know me through you. And it all starts by just abiding in Jesus. So number one, he says, hey, I'm the vine, abide in me. Number two, you will bear much fruit. And then number three, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. This one's so crucial. It's so crucial. Because I'm gonna give us some practical things to do today. And if we're not careful, we will take those practical things and we will try to do them totally devoid of the presence of Jesus. And we'll treat them as though, man, if I just check these check boxes, if I do all the right things well, then I'll have a fruitful life. And this is not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, hey, I'm gonna give you a bunch of hoops to jump through so that you can be good enough. No, he's going, listen, it all starts right here. You abide in me. Apart from me, all those other things are meaningless. You can do all the good deeds you want. You can do all the religious tasks you want. You can jump through all the religious hoops that you want, but if it's done apart from closeness with me, you can do nothing. And we may go, man, that sounds kind of demeaning, Jesus. Sounds kind of controlling. But this is, this is not the heart of Jesus. Jesus' desire, his desire. In fact, the, the burning desire of our Father is just time with us. Did you know that? Did you know that's what God wants? More than anything, he wants time with you. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to sit with you. He wants that time with us. Not because he's controlling, but because he is abounding in love for you, for us. So Jesus gives us these three things. He goes, man, abide in me. He says, you'll bear much fruit, but you gotta remember apart from me, you can do no good thing. Now I think what Jesus is hinting at here, these are kind of the rhythms of Jesus. There's a rhythm there. He says it starts with abiding and it goes to fruitfulness. It starts with abiding and it ends up in fruitfulness. It starts with abiding and it goes to fruitfulness. There's like this rhythm to life that Jesus is tapping into. And I believe Jesus was actually tapping into the most ancient of rhythms for humanity, the rhythm that Jesus himself with the Father and the Holy Spirit actually created. This is the rhythm that we were made for. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, you see this rhythm built into the very foundation of the world. So in Genesis chapter one, you see God creating the heavens and the earth. And then he creates all that we see around us. And the pinnacle of his creation was Adam and Eve, man and woman, humanity. Humanity was like the the crown jewel on the top of the creation that God made. This is how he views you, by the way. I don't know if you're new to the Bible, new to Christianity, or what you've thought about God's view of humanity. But he looks at us and we are the apple of his eye. He loves us. He created us and we were like the last, we were like the, the, the crowning moment of his creation. All the beautiful things he's made, he put us on top. But here's the thing that's amazing. He created in seven days, he created everything. And on the sixth day, he creates Adam and Eve. Now here's what's cool. The seventh day was a day of rest. Genesis tells us on the seventh day, God rested. This doesn't mean that God was tired. I mean, God saw that he had completed, he had completed what he was doing. It was, it was satisfaction. It was a job well done. And so he took a day to rest. But here's what's amazing. Adam and Eve, they were created on the sixth day. What was their very first day of existence? Rest. Isn't that awesome? Like God made Adam and Eve... After he makes them, he tells them, hey, I've given you this whole creation, I want you to steward it, I want you to rule over it. And then he goes, okay, first day on the job, here's what you're gonna do, just kick back and relax. (laughs) Can you imagine, what if you got a new job? You got a new job and you show up on your first day and your boss is like, hey, welcome to the new job. Today, you just get to chill out. <laughs> Welcome to the new job. Hey, what do you like for lunch? On me, I got it. I'm gonna cover you, whatever you want for lunch. It's my, you know, I'll pick up the tab. What do you like to do? Oh, you like to play golf? Sweet, let's go. It's on me, a round of golf. You like to go fishing? Sweet, let's go fishing. What do you like to do? You like to listen to music? Great, I'll turn it on. What if you showed up on your first day of work and your boss was like, today you just get to rest and I'll take care of everything. <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? It's not the way the world functions, but in the economy of God, what he says to humanity, he says, hey, listen, your work flows out of a place of rest with me. You see, we are trained by the world to go, here's the the rhythm, work, 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 work. And then when you get tired, take a break, take a breather get back in there and work, 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 work. And you get tired, you take a breath, you know, or maybe you plan a vacation, but here's what we do. We work, 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 and then we plan a vacation and we go and we just play, 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 and we don't get any rest on the vacation. And then we come back and we work, 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 work some more. And no wonder we're burnt out and tired and exhausted because we think that we were made to rest from our work, but God created us to work from our rest. This is the rhythm. He made you to begin with abiding. He made you to begin with resting and out of that work flows and fruitfulness comes. And so as we move beyond awaken, the question we ask is, hey, what are the reps? What are the things? How do we continue to abide with Jesus? And I'm gonna tell you, I told you earlier, it's gonna feel mundane, you know, but I'll tell you the starting place for how we do this is like in one of the most uninspiring places you can think of. The starting place for how we do this, are you ready? It is in your daily calendar. (laughs) How's that for uninspiring? Boring, it's like, it's the starting place is in your daily calendar, whether it is on a phone, maybe you're still living in the 90s and you've got a paper planner. That's awesome. Like, That's the starting place. It's in your paper planner. Sorry, Dave. Dave has a paper planner, everybody. <laughs> anyway, so it's like, it's, it's your, your paper planner, like wherever it is. Uh-oh, hands going up, hands going up. I love paper planners. This is the starting place for how you abide, how you live into the rhythms of Jesus. Did you know that? I'll give you kind of a framework for how to understand what I mean by this. Uh, there was a guy... Uh, by the name of Stephen Covey. Many of you probably heard of him. He wrote a really famous book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, Stephen Covey has this great illustration um, that, that is, that is re- really just genius when it comes to understanding the power of your calendar, the thing that feels mundane and normal. It has so much power. And so he, he has this illustration. Well, He'll be doing a presentation to a group of people and he has this jar that he puts on the table. I think I've got a picture of it up here uh, on the screen. And so he'll put a jar and he'll have a bunch of big rocks and some pebbles and some sand. Many of you have probably seen this before. But what he'll do in the presentation is he'll actually invite people up and say, hey, I want you to fit all of this sand, all of these big rocks and pebbles and water, and I want you to fit it all into this jar. And people will come up and they'll, they'll start and they'll pour the sand in there and then they'll throw the, rock, the little rocks, the pebbles, and they'll put the big rocks and try to pour the water and inevitably it overflows and gets all over the table and it's a giant mess. And they're like, no, you can't fit all that in that jar. And it ends up looking like the jar that you see on your left. And then what Stephen Covey does, he goes, no, here's how you have to do it. And he gets another jar and he puts the big rocks into the jar first. And then he takes the pebbles and he puts the pebbles in and kind of shakes the jar and all the pebbles kind of fall in and fill in empty spaces around the big rocks. Then he takes the sand and he pours in and it fills in all the crevices around the big rocks and around the pebbles. And then he gets the water and he pours it in and it fills it up all the way right to the, perfectly to the brim of the jar. And the illustration is this, what he would say is something like, hey, here's what you need to understand. This jar represents the vessel of your life. This is your life. All of us have the same size vessel. We all have the same number of hours in a day. We all have 24 hours. Jesus had the same number of hours in his day. Did you know that? Same number of hours. We all have the same size vessel, 24 hours in our day. He says the big rocks, these are these represent the non-negotiable things in your life. These are the things that really matter to you. That if somebody asks you, like, what are the non-negotiable value goals, dreams, the things that matter the most, what are they? These would be your big rocks. This might be your spiritual health, might be your physical health, might be your relational health, it might be your, your job or your career, whatever it is, these are the big rocks that you say matter the most. The pebbles. The pebbles are equal to the small tasks of every day, the things you kind of have to do, need to do, or maybe even want to do. So these are, these are your hobbies. This might be exercise. This might be you know, house projects. This might be walking your dog. I know some of you are really offended because I just put your dog as a pebble instead of a big rock. Sorry, but I think that's where they fit. You know, so you know, it, might be a, <laughs> it might be a pebble. You know. the, the, the sand, the sand represents the urgent stuff. The stuff that tends to fill up your life and your brain and take up space, even though you don't want it to. The sand is stuff like the phone calls, the email inbox, the text messages, the social media notifications, the loud buzzes and bells and whistles that just grab our attention and suck us in, the urgent, that's the sand. The water, water is the stuff that comes at you you, know, you don't you don't really plan for it. You don't really want it, but you it just comes at you. You end up sitting in traffic unexpectedly. You know you end up stuck sitting in the waiting room of the doctor's office longer than you thought you would have to. Or you go to get your emissions tested in Nashville, and it always takes longer than you think it's going to. You know these are the water, the things that just come at you unexpectedly. And what Stephen Covey would say is the mistake that we also often make is that we start our day, we start our calendar with the sand. We start with the urgent. We put the urgent and we let the urgent take the most important precedence in our life. And then we put the task of everyday life, the pebbles. And so often we give the least amount of intentional energy to make sure that the big rocks get into our lives. And then it's no wonder that our lives feel like that overflowing jar and just won't all fit. Spoiler alert, I believe That as followers of Jesus, your time with Jesus has got to be a big rock in your life. It's got to be. The point of this exercise is that you look at your calendar and you go, okay, I'm gonna pretend I have a blank slate of 24 hours and I'm going to put the big rocks on there first. Many of us would go, okay, yeah, my job, I gotta be at my job, gotta do that. Okay, meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, okay, gotta do that. I wonder how many of us would pause and go, okay, time with Jesus has got to be a big rock. And just like I would put an appointment with my boss on my calendar, I'm going to put my time with the Lord on my calendar as an immovable big rock that cannot be shifted. See, this is the invitation. Beloved, I think what we end up doing is that we wake up and before we even have a chance, our day gets commandeered. Many of us wake up and the first thing that we do is we check this thing. And the notifications on there get our attention and we will start our day by scrolling and looking what's on there. I'm just gonna tell you, this is brain science. This is not the pastor railing against social media, yada, yada, this is just brain science. The truth is, if you wake up in the morning and you pick up your phone and the first thing you do is react to the notifications on the screen there, you are literally programming your brain to spend the rest of your day reacting and responding instead of being intentional about the things you're gonna give your heart and your attention to. It's truth. And the invitation, remember what Jesus says. He says, beloved, I'm the vine. You're the branches, abide in me. See, abiding in Jesus, the invitation is for that to be a big rock in our life, to put it on the planner, to put it on the calendar, to start our day intentionally, not letting the urgent take over our minds and our hearts, but being intentional about pursuing Jesus. How do we do this? Very practically, I'll break it down for you. This this goes back to what Dave was talking about last week. Solitude, we all go, that feels impossible. Time alone with God? In this culture, in this pace of life, big rocks. How do we do this? Well, you start, number one, you start daily. You go, okay, daily. How do I do this every day? Many of you took first steps this month, kind of doing those reps. That the physical therapist told you, you did some daily things that maybe you'd never done before. You knew there was a reading plan, so you carved out some time in your morning to spend time reading from the Sermon on the Mount and reading a psalm. It may have been 10 minutes, but it was something different that you did. The invitation moving beyond awaken is to go, okay, no, I'm not just gonna let that go. I've laid stake on that chunk of time. That's a big rock in my day. I'm not gonna let it get removed. And so daily, I'm going to continue to find that space to get into the word of God. How do you start your day? Imagine if instead of looking at your phone first, you sat up in your bed and you literally just paused for three minutes, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, and you invite the Lord to be the one leading your day. You read a psalm, You say the simple prayer, Lord, today, help me see what you have for me. Lord, today, help my heart to rest on you. Lord, today, help me hear your voice. Lord, today, help me see what you're doing. I mean, literally, you start your day right there. Whatever you've been doing this month, make it a big rock. Don't let it go just because we're not fasting together anymore and continue to do it. What daily thing can you do? There are some places in your day where you can maximize the time. Some of you are going, do you know what my morning looks like? <laughs> You're out of touch with the reality. You know, I'm just gonna tell you like, I have four kids. You know what my morning looks like? <laughs> let me just tell you, it's insane. But here's what we do, we've tried to maximize. We have breakfast together. Some of you know, you kids have to be out the door so early you can't do that. I understand. I'm just telling you, leverage what you have. My day is full of chaos in the morning and so we leverage breakfast time. While we're eating, we're working on memorizing scripture together. It's just what we do as a family over the, over the breakfast table. Time around the table in the evenings. How do you leverage your evenings Daily. Take a minute, turn off Netflix, turn off whatever it is that you zone out to and give yourself a few minutes just to reconnect. Whatever it is, you decide, you have the power to go, what's the big rock daily that I'm gonna lean into? And after daily, we go, okay, weekly. Number two, weekly. What is the weekly rhythm I can lean into? During Awaken, we've planned some things, right? Each week, there was something different you could come to, there was a prayer visual. A night watch prayer vigil. There was prayer stations at the office. There's a prayer vigil going on right now. You know, our house churches were leaning into this together. There've been communal ways together every week to lean in. And so just ask yourself, okay, as I look at my weekly calendar, what can I put on there? What's the big rock that I can put on there to keep leaning into? For some of you, it's the house church that you're in. For some of you, it is a rhythm. You started with your family this month. For some of you, it's something you started doing with your friends. And you're like, man, that was awesome. We did that for a month. Don't stop doing it at the end of the month. Keep leaning into it, make it a big rock in your life. And then the third area that I encourage you to look at is yearly. Yearly, what are big rocks yearly that you can lean into? And I want to make this super practical for you. Like when I look at my calendar for the year, literally I look at the calendar and I go, I know at least once or twice, I need a space where I can get away and be alone with God. I'm not talking about going on a four day weekend to a cabin on a lake in the woods. That's amazing when that can happen. But I'm going, hey, how can I get one day or a half day where I clear my calendar and I get alone with God? I'll tell you the truth, if I don't put it on my calendar, guess what? Guess what What happens? It doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen. And I know this found, sounds like so basic, so simple. We all know this to be true in our school life, in our work life, in our family life. Why are we so surprised to find out that it's true in our life with Jesus as well? The invitation to abide, he's going, listen, abide in me. It's not gonna happen accidentally. It's an invitation to intentionality to make it a big rock. Some of you are going, man, I don't know, one day out of the year alone with God, how would I do that? You know, there's some resources that we have that we would love to provide. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put some of these up on our blog this week. An exercise for how do you spend 12 hours alone with God? There's a prayer exercise that you can do. You just walk through it at your own pace, at your own time, and you can spend extended amounts of alone time with the Lord. And we're gonna show you how to do that. So as we, as we come to the end of Awaken, the, the invitation is to keep doing the small reps. Make those the big rocks in your life just like anything else. And the thing that God has started in your heart, he promises to carry it to completion. Now, here in a minute, I, I'm gonna send us you know, to communion and my challenge for us this week is to pick one daily rhythm that you've leaned into. Pick one, one thing you've leaned into this month and put it as a big rock on your calendar. That's the challenge but I want us, to, I'm going to come back here at the end as we go to communion and just connect it back to the heart just so we understand. You know, we started this season of prayer and fasting. I don't know if you remember or not. At, at the very beginning, I talked about, hey, fasting is this time where we recalibrate the desires of our heart. And as we wind it down, I want us just to, add, to, to address not the desires of our heart. I want us to address, do you know, do you know what the desires of God's heart are? Do you know what the burning desire of God's heart is? If somebody were to ask you that, hey, what's the burning desire of God's heart? What would you say? You know, some of us might say, well, I think, I think he just, he wants me to obey. He wants me to kind of get my life in order. Some of you might go, I think, I think he wants peace. I think he wants justice. Yes, all, you know, Yes, he wants peace. He wants justice. He, he loves it. He values our obedience. But what's the burning desire of God's heart? When my oldest son was younger and he first started reading chapter books, I remember he came up to me and he said, he said, dad, when I, when I pick up a new book, he said, what I do is I read the first few pages at the very beginning of the first chapter. And then I read the last few pages at the end of the book. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. It's like living your entire life is one big spoiler. you know?" Like, but I started thinking about it and I'm like, man, with the Bible, that's actually not a bad way. If you wanna understand the heart of what's happening here in this book, Man, read the first few pages at the beginning and read the first few pages at the end, the last few pages at the end, and you will find the burning desire of God's heart. You see, at the very beginning, we find God in the garden dwelling with his children. That's what he wants. You flip to the end of the book, Revelation 21, guess what you see? God coming to be with his children, to dwell. He says, now God will dwell amongst his people. That'll be his dwelling place. Did you know that's the burning desire of God's heart? It's why the story Jesus told, uh, that Dave told earlier about Jesus getting angry in the temple, because the temple was meant to be a place where people were reminded that God longs to dwell amongst his people. And so this morning, you know, I'm gonna put some questions on the screen as we come to communion. And the question's going to be like, what is one daily thing you're gonna put on your calendar as we move past Awaken? But remember the heart of this. This is not because God's trying to control your behavior. It's because the burning desire of his heart is to be near to you because he loves you and he has gone to great lengths to make it possible for us to be able to know him. And this is what the bread and the cup of communion reminds us of the the sacrifice, the price that Jesus paid so that we could dwell with God. So I'm gonna pray for us. I'm just gonna send us to the table. We're gonna be a, a slide on the screen with a simple question. Come back, take communion, answer that question with one another and just take a minute to pray for one another that as we head out of Awaken, God would continue to increase our desire to want Him more the way that He wants us. Let's pray. Lord, we love You. I thank You, Father, that the burning desire of Your heart is to be amongst us, to dwell with us. I pray, Lord, that as we, as we come to the table of grace, as we answer these simple questions, how do we make life with You, abiding with You, a big, immovable rock in our lives? That, Lord, as we, as we say those things, protect us from, from shame or feeling like we're not good enough because we didn't do it right. Lord, instead, would you just fill it with your heart, your desire to be near us, to know us, to love us, and for us to love you. Come, Lord, come. Be near to us as we commune with you in the name of Jesus.